0: This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Catch Tunch and Wolf live weekdays from 10 to noon on your 24-hour home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.
1: Um, when you're not in the tournament, it allots you more time uh for that self-analysis, if you will. Um, so we're going to utilize that time uh, in, in appropriate ways uh, in an effort to, to, to begin the foundation of, of what is 2020.
0: You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome into the locker room. I'm
2: Dale Lally here with Craig Wolfley. I'm sitting in today for Tunch Ilkin. He is, uh, well, he's done for the year.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, so you get to sit in for Tunch because if I sat in for Tunch, then you'd have to sit in for me, and then we move two guys for one position. That's right, then we weaken two spots. Yes, that's, <laughs> you just don't do that. All right, so we're going, I'm sitting in for myself. You sit in for Tunch, I'll there sit, you go.
2: I'll, yeah, that works better, and uh, we, as we hear uh, Mississippi Queen coming in. You a big fan of the cowbell?
1: Wolf you know what, a... more cowbell, always more cowbell. cowbell. Yeah. You know, you got to have it. You just got to have it. I think it's just big part of any sort of – Music. uh, It was huge in the '70s. It was the cowbell was huge. It was kind of like bell-bottom pants and cowbells. They all went together. You (laughs) know, I mean, it just did. Uh, Speaking
2: of uh, going together, uh, we could see in in another month, uh, Alan Fanica and uh, Troy Polamalu. Going into the Hall of Fame together. How about that?
1: What are the, the all the finalists, Dale?
2: Well, here's what we got. This was announced last night uh, by the league, uh, by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, your finalists for the uh, 2020 Hall of Fame class. Uh, this is the 100-year anniversary of the, of the Hall of Fame, or should, I should say the 100-year anniversary of the NFL. Uh, and, of course, Paul Amalu and Alan Fanica on that final finalist list. Uh, there's 15 guys. Uh, the others being Steve Atwater. Tony Baselli, Isaac Bruce, Leroy Butler, uh, Tory Holt, Steve Hutchinson, Edrin James, John Lynch, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, Reggie Wayne, and Bryant Young. That's a lot of. You good could make part. a nice. You could start a nice team with that group.
1: Absolutely.
2: Maybe not right now, but no. you, yeah. You know what's fun? How,
1: how many times have you been to the Hall of Fame?
2: Uh, because you're not, you're going to be
1: voting there, right? Yeah,
2: I'll, I'll be handling
1: the the vote this year. Uh, That's right. So all and the, by the way, all the pressure is now on Dale Lolly. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> you got to come through. You got to come through, buddy. <laughs> it's on no your pressure. head. You know, no pressure at all. <laughs> Troy Palomalo, to me is
2: is easily the no brainer in this class. Uh, he, this is his first time up right. for uh, for induction. Uh, I think you know it's. It, this won't be a situation where I just stand up and say. Troy Palomalu and and then sit down. Can't do that. No, you got to be a little more expressive in it.
1: But I think one of the factoids is you always, it's always about who changes the game. And Troy changed it in several ways. Yeah. Every
2: time, you know, and I covered his entire career as I did with Allen. And every time we would get, uh, as part of the media process for the next games or the next week's game, uh, you always get. Uh, a player from the other team who calls into the media room and we we interview him over the phone, and on those conference calls, if it was a quarterback, uh, every week it would be okay. What do you got to do when you're facing the Steelers defense? Well, you have to know where Troy Palomalu's at all the time, and exactly. that was always easier said than done.
1: Joe <laughs> Flacco coined the phrase "follow the hair." Yeah, you know what I mean. You follow the hair wherever that hair goes. That's what you're looking for, and that's one of the things that I one of the things I always admired about Troy. And I saw this. Up close and personal was, I went behind the end zone one time, they are playing the Cincy Bungles, and the Bungles were back on their own eight, nine yard line somewhere in there. So it's a timeout, we're in the huddle, you know, and I'm standing right behind, It was I got a great all-22 look, you know, at the huddle, and I'm about eight yards away from this Bengals huddle. So they break the, you know, the, the huddle, they come to the line of scrimmage, so Carson Palmer is walking up. Now as he's walking up, he looks to his right, and they got the tight end right, you got Troy about 15 yards deep over the slot, right? So he's looking over there, and and there's Troy, and Troy's just kind of hanging out there. And so he starts to go under center. And as he's going under center, Troy starts to trot forward. Now he's outside of uh, Joey Porter, okay, on the outside. So then Carson kind of... It just makes him halt a little bit. I'm listening to the cadence and everything. He's kind of looking at him. And then Troy turns and starts to jog behind or in between Casey Hampton, James Farrier, and Larry Foote on the inside there. And all of a sudden he ends up outside of Clark Hagan's. Now – Carson, the, the clock is running, and he's, he thought he was going to get Supermaned right? And so now it's just Troy is sitting there on the outside. Now he starts to break the count again, and then all of a sudden it's one of these hurry-up things. So he goes, he snaps the ball, and suddenly Troy is 30 yards deep. He had to snap the ball maybe 20, 20 yards deep, and he's playing uh, the middle third of a uh, cover three. And I'm like going, how do you do that? That was spectacular. Where's he? I, I saw him at the snap of the ball. I'm watching him.
2: Uh, on one side of the field, I got the binoculars. I can't remember who it was against. I'm watching him. He's on. He's on the right side of the formation, and at the snap of the ball, um, he sifts through all the trash and makes a play in the left flat on a running back in the backfield. Yep. On a play that took two and a half seconds to run, uh, he just. I'm like, wow. He just. He's now he over just, there. He changed the game. It was like he had. He had. Uh, you know, his own little. Uh, uh way to uh, beam himself to, to the other side of the field.
1: He did. You know what? He could pick himself uh, through that crosstown traffic all the time. He was one of those guys who seemed to, by down distance and personnel, he just seemed to know the route combinations, and he was just in the quarterback's head. I mean, let's face yeah. it. When a quarterback says, follow the hair, that's your game plan.
2: Yeah, and he just made so many. Uh, I know the the interceptions and the sacks and all those things may not be uh, you know, you may look at him and go, well, you know, he only had um, 32 career interceptions and, you know, he had uh, 12 career sacks. And those don't do him justice uh, to, to the game changing plays that he right. made the, the, because he always seemed to make the big
1: play when the Steelers needed it the most. There's no question. I mean, you can, there's so many. I remember who was the big, the, the running back that almost rushed for 2,000 yards for Tennessee? Um, Chris, uh, Chris Jones. Yeah, he did rush. Yeah, he had. All right. Yeah. Did he go 2000? I can't even remember. All right. But I do remember one-on-one, uh, Troy, Troy coming out of nowhere to take him down in the open field. I mean, just amazing stuff. That hair is straight out the back of the helmet. He's flying along, that long-haired flying Hawaiian human crash test dummy. That is Troy Polamalu. He, he is that guy. Yeah, and if he got the ball in his hands, oh. he was the most exciting player in the yeah. field. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> remember when he ran over Carson Palmer on that interception at Heinz Field? It was like a whirling dervish with Good the Good heavens, ball. they yeah. were roommates at one time. That's no way to treat your roommate. <laughs>
2: Uh, now, Alan Fanica is going to be – this is his sixth time as a finalist. Um, I know I've talked to Alan about it in the past, and he's like, you know, I think he'd like to get in, but
1: at this point it's like, all right, guys, let's, uh, you know. I think it's one of the one of the two greatest um, dysfunctional uh, things going on in the Hall of Fame right now, Donnie Shell and Alan Fanica, and I think both of them – they're they need to put this right. I, you cannot be a nine-time Pro Bowler. How many times did he make uh, the All-Pro team? Six times on the first-team All-Pro. All right. I mean, uh, hello. Alan Fanica was one of those guys who, again, he I, and I always said it, he played guard the way I dreamed about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was just a great player. And that was six years in
2: a row from 2001 to 2007 making first-team All-Pro. The one year that he didn't make first-team All-Pro was in 2003, and that was because, if you recall – he had to play a lot of left tackle that year. Exactly. When um, they were so, he would have been a seven-time All First Team All Pro had he actually lined up at guard, his his natural position. Think about that.
1: I mean, on third down, they move him to tackle. Let me tell you something. That is extremely hard. And as we were talking about off the air. Uh, He told you that it was easy.
2: (laughs) Well, that's what he said, you know, when he comes in and we interview him at training camp, and I I asked him about that. I said, you know, you're shuffling back and forth between, you know, there were messenger guards back in the day. You were basically the, you know, a swing tackle. Uh, And he says, I always thought left tackle was easier because I only had to worry about one guy on the outside. You know, when you're a guard, right? You got guys. You're getting hit from both sides, right? And so, you know, to him, that was that was easier. I to just move thought out there. that
1: was hilarious when he said it. But That's he, had just...
2: the, he had the size and the feet and the and the the, the punch and, and everything that you want. He, you know, he was such an athlete. He was at the position that it was not a, it was not a big transition for him.
1: Remember this uh, during those those uh, bussy years. It was it was at um, boss play. You know. Allen pulling from the left guard. And Willie Parker, that was a boss yeah. play that, uh, you know, Willie Parker scored on in the Super Bowl. And that's always the thing, you know, you all, I always think
2: about, you know, any of those 20, 25, 30-yard runs down the field, uh, the guy who was standing there to pick, you know, to help the running back up was always Allen Fanica because he had been leading the block.
1: Absolutely. You know, I mean, and the thing about it is, is, is Fanica, it was as good in double teams single blocks as he was in pulling, as he was in pass protection. He had no weaknesses. You know, that's what a lot of people don't understand. A lot of guys, like uh, who is Steve um, Hutchinson. Okay. Yeah. Hutchinson is a mauler. He's a road grader. He comes off, he'll physically assault you, um, and he was really good. At one point in time, he was one of the most exceptional maulers I've ever seen at guard. But he, he didn't pull very well. People, you know, some people say, "Oh, he pulled well." Well, for a big, well, yeah, for a big man, but not like Allen Fanica. Well, the people
2: who say that didn't watch. You know, to, to me, um, you know, watching Dermoni Dawson pull, watch, watching watching Allen Fanica, pull, watching, watching these guys, you know, De Castro and Pouncy. These guys are exceptional at it. Um, you know, other guys do it, yeah. And if you don't see it all the time, it's, you know. And
1: for a big man, he runs, well, (laughs) you know what? (laughs) That doesn't get you points. Right. You know what I mean? The point is making contact and, and obliterating somebody out in the open. And that's what I think Alan. again, I was telling you about two of the most greatest hits I've ever seen Alan have. And one had to do with knocking the guy's helmet off because they went helmet grill to grill in a one-on-one, mano-a-mano. But the second one, even better, was when he, he knocked a guy butt over tea kettle. He pulled up in the hole like on a boss play, but it, was, it wasn't quite the same, I can't remember. But he hit this guy. He, the guy went into a backward roll, actually came to his feet. And then Allen trucked him again. I mean, you can't. You can't. I mean, that's like a double whamper. That's like
2: getting hit by a bus,
1: surviving exactly. it, and then getting back up and getting hit by the same bus. <laughs> Backed up over you. But Allen, I mean, the thing about it, he hit him going forward twice. He didn't back up to get this guy. He hit him twice. So.
2: And, and the thing you know, the thing I always remember about about Allen as well is when he was playing. Remember when he had the, the he got the gash on his head. Yes. And he had his head. He looked like a Civil War. Uh, right. You know. It came right out of it. That should be, if, if he gets in this year, that should be his bust. Fanica with his head oh, yeah. all wrapped up in, in uh,
1: gauze. Yeah, I hope it wouldn't be like when he's, he's like, what, 170 pounds now or something? I don't know. Yeah. He's like right. ridiculous. I didn't even recognize him when he was on the sidelines the last time. I said, what are you doing, Man. Get some beef. Eat some beef. Go out and have some more McDonald's. Now. I know. What? How crazy are you? You're a hog. You're an offensive line. We never <laughs> like to run. And what are you doing? You know. I mean, you're running marathons. But yeah, it shows you what kind of athlete he is. He is. He's yeah. a great, great athlete. He's a great guy too. Yeah. A great. A great human being. Both yeah. of them are. Yes. I mean, just,
2: just you know, the, the most uh, tremendous people you could be around. Uh, if you look at this class, Wolf. Who else? Who else stands out uh, to you about this group? There was. There's. there's uh, let's see. I lost my track I mean, some of these guys you actually played against. You know, you played against Steve Atwater. You played against... uh...
1: Atwater was was a great player. You know, I remember when we were playing out in Denver in 89, and he he was yelling. He was... (laughs) He was yelling at the defense going, we got to stop Hoag. Tunch (laughs) tells this story all the time. And Tunch was in the huddle yelling, it's Hodge, you idiot. His name is Hodge, Merrill Hodge. And then Atwater's going, we got to stop (laughs) Hoag. And they didn't do it very well. No, they didn't. And Merrill roamed for, I don't know, 100-some yards that day. Uh, Sam Mills you played against. Yes, Sam was a great competitor. One of these guys that uh, I think um, underappreciated. He was not big of stature. But, man, oh, man, you try to dig him out on a lead C or or a straight uh, play. It's tough to find in straight. there. Well, the thing about it was he was very good at, at scraping off the backside of the uh, you know, defensive lineman in front of him. Timely, fill that gap, fill that hole. But he was he was powerful, and he played great under and up leverage because that's that was the whole game back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. was about knocking the stuffing out of each other. <laughs> but some interesting names on there. Uh i uh, just
2: going to ask you about one other uh, offensive lineman. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Hutchinson. Uh, Tony Buscelli's up again this year. Yeah. Short career, 1995 to 2001. Uh, but, you know, in six years as a starter, he was a five-time pro bowler and a uh, three-time first-team all-pro. He was
1: a good, he was a great player, but a very short career. a Very short career, and I think that will hamper you because one of the things that I, I think always speaks for an offensive lineman is longevity because that's how you're measured. Are you – you line up. You play week in, week out. You you know you play injured. You play uh, sick. That's one of the the telling points of, of a career of an offensive lineman. But I will say this about Baselli. He also was a guy who began to change the game at tackle because then it became all about the six, 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 seven arm length reach zone blocking schemes, and he was he was also powerful and come off the ball and he'd you and uh i i got a lot of respect for tony Baselli. he was he was quite the player yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to, to be actually be in the room and, and
2: vote on these guys uh I, obviously i've never done it before um so you know I, yeah
1: i'm interested to hear when you come out of it what, it what it was like yeah i mean i've talked to ed about it i've talked to some
2: other guys about you know what goes on there and ed, ed's giving me some pointers on things to do things not to do and and uh um, in terms of you know you don't want to go in there and trash the other guys and right, obviously okay. these guys are all great players I'm not right. I'm not going how go, can you trash yeah I'm not going to go guys. in there and say oh Steve Hutchinson was terrible yeah Faneke was a way better player <laughs> that's probably not the way to get it done no no but uh, it should be uh, should be an interesting process and and uh, again one that I'm looking forward to doing um, but. Uh, also, this year the, uh, the 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 because it is it is the hundred year anniversary. Uh, the Steelers also have a couple of other finalists on the on the expanded uh, list as well, including as you mentioned. Um, well, we get there's Bill Cowers is up as right. one of the coaches, and Donnie Shell is one of the finalists. Yay! For the, Put Donnie for the in the Hall guys.
1: of Fame. That has been my cry for the last five six years. <laughs> Put Donnie in the Hall of Fame, baby. He be, he belongs there. There's no question. Well, he about Also, it.
2: again, another person who belongs in the Hall of Fame of people.
1: Yes. Oh, you know what I remember? Um, My third, second year in the league, I lost my dad. I passed away, and I remember Donnie coming alongside, and he said, do you mind if I pray for you? And he took me aside, and he prayed for me right there. And let me tell you something, I've never forgotten that. That was a beautiful moment. Just a classy, classy yeah. guy and a yeah. ferocious hitter. <laughs> oh. oh, I can I can tell you stories about that because one of my first introductions was at training camp when the veterans reported about the third day in. Uh, there was a P thirty uh, eight P thirty nine GO. I pulled from the left guard, and there was. Mel ran off, and he was locked-up man on in coverage. So I turn up looking for force. Before I turned up, Donnie Shell came out of nowhere and just screamed me. I mean, he <laughs> one-hopped me right to the feet of Chuck Knoll. <laughs> That's a hit, baby. That's a hit. Chuck looked at me, he goes, that wasn't very impressive. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you kidding me? <laughs> that was really impressive. <laughs> I was totally impressed.
2: He is, Craig Whoa. Wolfley. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening uh, to The Locker Room here on ESPN. Pittsburgh, The number to join us here in the conversation is 412-919-1316. We're going to take a break.
0: We'll be right back after this. This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24 7 home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio.
2: Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with uh, Craig Wolfie. I'm sitting in for Tunch Hoken today in the locker room. Uh, you're listening to ESPN 970. Uh, the number to join us here is 412 919 1316. And, uh, Changing gears here a little bit, uh, Wolf. We, get, we still have a we have another opening, coaching opening in the uh, NFL. The, it looks like the Cowboys are going to part ways uh, with Jason Garrett. Uh, 85 and 67 over 10 seasons. Not a ton of playoffs playoff success, but you could say that about the Cowboys in general since 1995. They haven't had a lot of playoff right. success. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting one that's going to be filled because there's a lot of talent there there uh, is you know on, uh, defensively they were the one of the best teams in football last season offensively they had the number one offense in the league this year uh, but the defense fell off they, they need a mesh point there uh, in terms of of what they uh, what what they can do on the field this this could be the, the prime job of the off season if you find somebody who can also get along with jerry jones
1: well that's the interesting aspect <laughs> of it you know i've never been a, a jerry jones fan but um you know the fact is the guy is uh, you know he's a success in life. He's gone along and done what uh, a lot of people said couldn't be done, and and uh, he's really you know you go into uh, the Jerry world there, and it's just a spectacular you know stadium. We where we where have artworks in stadiums and stuff like that. Yeah, you know you got a stadium so big you can lay the Statue of Liberty down inside it, and it it, it would... well. There's artwork at Heinz Field.
2: Well, yeah, in the but the upper I mean, deck they have all the the paintings from all the the uh, the kids for who right. But I mean, Jerry goes out and
1: you know, I know he's got Hi. the the Van Getz, the Van Goes, the Van Who's. I don't know, <laughs> you know those sorts of things. But the you know no Van Morrison's, no no Van Morrison's there <laughs> absolutely. But you, you you know, I don't know. I've always had a little bit of a obstinate stance towards the Cowboys because uh, back in the day, you know when I first came to Pittsburgh. That was a big rivalry yes. It was the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Super Bowls. And, you know, our offensive line coach used to talk about the fact that their coaches had Buffon hairdos and coach computers. You know, what I mean, <laughs> there was a, you know, there was a real rivalry there that was, you know, in, in, innate with the coaching staff. So I've always had a little bit of, you know, about, you know, the Cowboys. But, sure. So Jason Garrett's out. Yes. And it took, what, three, four days of, of commiserating here?
2: Well, I mean, they, they took their time with it for sure, and, and, and he met with uh, uh, Jerry Jones a couple of times over the past week, and uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how this all breaks down and, and, and whether they elevate from within or, or how they handle this whole thing uh, because Garrett was with that
1: organization for a long time. He long was, time. He was groomed for that job. That's the, the part that I found uh, that I didn't know about, Going into this, I'm sitting there going, "Well, what's the big problem? How can you go three, four days?" Well, first of all, his dad was a scout for many years. Uh, Jerry's got some loyalties to his dad. The fact that Jason was a backup, uh, Troy uh, uh, Aikman, right? And he was allowed to sit in on on uh, coaching decisions when a player because I actually I didn't realize this, but he was actually, as you said, grooming uh jason garrett to come along and be a head coach now is that to be a head coach kind of like a manchurian candidate for jerry jones mm, you in wonder so in
2: some ways yes yeah, so you're rubber stamping everything that jerry wants to do uh but you still have to make the decisions on game day you still have to like True. i don't know what what how much of a uh, uh of a handle he had on the, the assistant coaching hirings uh, i imagine jerry had to give the approval to all that
1: uh, can one- you, let me ask you this, can you ever get this out of your head? Jerry Jones sitting in the the, the you know his box and that handing his son in law or whatever uh, run this down to yeah. Jason. <laughs> no, no no, it was his glasses. Oh okay. and he cleaned his glasses for him. Oh! Did you never see that? I never saw that. I saw it. It was. I think it was in a playoff game, a Super Bowl, something. But I mean, you got you got Jerry Jones handing his glasses to his son or son-in-law. I don't know who it was, and the guy's cleaning it and then hands it back to him. Like going, "Oh my gosh!"
2: That's
1: yeah. Now that could is Jason Garrett going to be the new new? uh, Maybe he's the new Gopher. Maybe yeah. Maybe he's the new uh, glass cleaner. Uh, but that opening is going to leave
2: us with, I uh, believe, uh, three opening four. That's our, that's going to leave four openings now because uh, the Redskins have already hired Ron Rivera. Right. Uh, that didn't take long. And I th- think that's, that's a, a good a great hire. choice, yeah.
1: Ron Rivera. Yeah. Very, Very steady. Dan Snyder. Um
2: Snyder. If you look at Rivera, uh, you know, you can say, all right, he, you know, he, the, the last couple of years in Carolina have not been great, but he did a nice job there.
1: I think he did a real nice job there, and he's a high quality dude. I think bringing along jack del rio as your defensive coordinator is another really good move by that organization maybe just maybe they'll get some solid uh, ground uh gained here with uh you know as long as dan snyder doesn't step in and yeah because I
2: mean, he's he's made this kind of move before uh you know he hired marty schottenheimer for right. one year and then fired him after an eight and eight season like why do you bring a guy like that in Uh, you know Marty's a quality coach quality human being and then you fire him after one season that doesn't make any sense
1: I didn't know if Marty was like a vegan maybe he didn't like Johnny Rockets or something (laughs) 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 Uh,
2: but the Carolina job's still open Um, they have not yet uh, filled that one uh, of course, uh, Carolina owner uh, David Tepper has ties to Pittsburgh. That was the one that everybody well, that and the Washington job. Eh, they're going to trade for Mike Tomlin. That's not happening, folks. Right? Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, the candidates for that one, Mike McCarthy, is is in that uh, in the running for that one. Uh, people are speculating Josh McDaniels, Eric Bieniemy, hmm. um, interim coach Perry Fuel is uh, going to be uh, interviewed as well. Um, so we'll see about that one. The the Browns' job, of course, uh, opening up <laughs> once again. Uh, this will be, I think, their sixth coach since uh, 2012. Uh, and they'll be going on their fourth general manager because you know that's just what you do. And um, you know they made a mistake with Freddie Kitchens. That was the problem. You know they, they, he should not have been the head coach. There's no way. Uh, yeah, um, hadn't even been a coordinator in the league for you know half a season, and you 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 know elevate him to head coach because they let the, they let basically they let Baker Mayfield pick as head coach. Yeah. And
1: that just never works out. Never works out. I, when, it, you know, I, I've, I'm surprised. John Dorsey is a football guy. Yeah. This guy knows football. I played against this guy. This guy, you know, not that it matters I played against him. But, I mean, you know, this guy goes way back. And um, I was really surprised about that hiring. And I got a feeling that wasn't all John Dorsey's pick and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Maybe Maybe it was. But I'll say this. Of the two organizations that have Pittsburgh roots, you got David Tepper in Carolina, and you got Jimmy Haslam in Cleveland. Um, it's obvious who was paying attention to the Steelers' way of doing things and who wasn't. Yeah, because uh, they sure, you know, Jimmy Haslam who said, um, you know, I learned some good lessons there, saw how Pittsburgh does it. He says that, but he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I
2: remember pulling. Where it out Where does that go? Uh, I think it was when they they fired. Uh, was it Chudzinski before they they, Chud? they hi- yeah before they hired. Uh, um, uh, the, the last group, and they brought in Sashi Brown and, and all that right, stuff. Right, right. And I'm um, driving – the Steelers have just beaten the Browns again. They fire the coach again after the, after losing to the Steelers. That, that's happened at least five times in my career. And I'm driving out of uh, Cleveland. I'm listening to Cleveland talk radio because I want to hear what they're saying about it. And they have Haslam on the radio, and he's talking about how we want to make this hire. We want to be like Pittsburgh. We want to have these people in place right, for a long time. Right. And, you know, Hugh Jackson lasted two seasons, and, uh, you know, the <laughs> same with the GM. It just, it just they continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. You hire the people. You trust them to do the job. There are going to be bumps in the road when you were when you, when absolutely you were in, this, in the situation that they were in. Uh, that's the expe- expectation. Um, you know, if if, if the Rooneys had done that with Chuck Noll, Chuck, in the first two seasons were one and thirteen and five and nine. Right. In today's NFL, would you know? In, that's
1: a, that's firing. Yeah, you're getting fired. Um, you know, you have to have patience with it. You've got to turn around a whole culture. Right. I mean, this is no longer the dumpster fire. This and that is... was
2: the problem with me. To, to with me. uh, uh, or to me with with the browns is the culture uh you know they brought in uh, they brought in some big name guys uh, but
1: they didn't bring in the culture no you, you and I always look at this anytime you you bring in somebody else's problem child oh you know oh, oh, obi- one Kenobi there uh you got problems you got issues you know Jarvis Landry I thought he was more of an upstanding, Locker room dude, but he obviously uh, got a little honked off with all the to-doings going on there. Um, There's something going on where, um, you know, you got the inmates running the asylum. You saw the
2: lack of discipline on on the
1: field all season long. Absolutely. With the exclamation point being what happened against the Steelers. No question about it. And how that all unfolded also with the other stuff. That was just that was insidious. That was just uh, that was horrendous. Yeah. So I, I look at that and I go, oh man, that's I would avoid if I was a coach. I'd avoid Cleveland at all costs. And the shame of it is, again, they have such an outstanding base, uh, you know, a fan base. Um, they're terrific people. Although I was a little bit taken aback when there was a lot of people defending Miles Garrett over the the helmet swinging. Yeah. I got no problem with you know punching a guy. Uh, not not hitting him with his helmet though. that's yeah, that's, that's, uh,
2: that's that's assault. Yeah, that's, that's just, with a deadly weapon. Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely. Yeah,
2: the Giants' uh, job also still open. Um, I guess I should say that uh, with, with uh, uh, Josh McDaniels being mentioned there. Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the uh, the, the Ravens, uh, McCarthy is also I believe McCarthy interviewed there yesterday. Um, Brian DeBolt, uh from the uh, the Bills' offensive coordinator. Um, 49ers assistants uh, Robert Soleil, Mike McDaniel, Mike LaFleur, uh, according to Adam Schefter, uh, Baylor head coach Matt Rule also getting uh, s- uh, some uh, some publicity here with both of those previous two openings. Uh, so um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, the- yeah, but Rule said, "I don't want it." Yeah,
1: yeah, I- he, he ruled he- himself out. <laughs>
2: The college coaches going to the NFL hadn't exactly worked out all the time. No. In fact, a majority of them have not worked out because you're dealing with a different animal. You are. Um, I, think, I think if you're going to go straight from college to the NFL, it's probably better to do it as an assistant coach for a few years to get used to or to have been an NFL assistant, then go back to college to be a head coach and then jump to the NFL. Kind of like Bill O'Brien uh, did because – Jumping from being the head coach of a college program to being the head coach of an NFL uh, program, and, and if you've never been in the NFL before, it's a completely different animal. Um, you know, in college, you have complete control over these young men, and they're going to listen to you like yeah. 100% of the time because if they don't, their scholarship's pulled and you're going to cut them and move on. And, and there's so many, right. co- you know, unless they're you're young guys. Yeah, they're young, they're impressionable. They get to the NFL. You're dealing with guys. Most of them you didn't. You didn't draft. Uh, you know they don't have. They have no allegiance to you necessarily. And you know they, less than less than they're ever making, Too. In, in some cases, they're making a lot more money than you.
1: Exactly. They, you know, they know, and they know they're going to last longer right. than you. They some of them. That if, you know. If things
2: go bad. You're gone, and they're they're still there. Exactly. They're still going to make their
1: money. So that's that's a different dynamic altogether. I always go back to whenever I hear stuff like that. I always remember sitting with uh, Gene Upshaw one time. We we're telling stories back and forth, and, and Gene goes, Yeah, he says, uh, I remember uh, he had a new offensive line coach, and there was a dispute about <laughs> things. And so he said, so, so they're going back and forth, and, and Gene goes, Let's go see Al. So Al listens to both of them. And he looks at Gene. He looks at the line coach. He goes, "You know, it's a lot easier to find a line coach than it is a Pro Bowl guard." Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's that's the essence in in a nutshell. Well, I what always I think,
2: think of the, I always think of uh, when in in uh, um, the the movie uh, I can't think of the movie now the Kevin Costner baseball movie. Uh, oh
1: yeah. Um... Bull Durham, Bull Durham, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. And, good, oh, good guess. And
2: and the, the team is struggling, and, and uh, the, uh, the manager comes in and he, and, and is talking to, to Crash Davis, and Crash says, "They're kids, scare them." And he comes in. That's when he comes in and throws the the bats into the into the shower, and and everybody shuts up, and they're all they're all you know. That's what college is. Yeah. That doesn't work in the NFL no. necessarily. You know, that's just not no. gonna. You're not gonna scare these guys into into suddenly. Oh, my coach is <laughs>
1: mad. Um, you know, it is what it is. Um, By the way. My memory of Bull Durham, the best scene, was when the guy crushes a homer and Bull's standing there, or whatever, the guy's standing there at the plate, and he goes, wow, he goes, things that fly that far usually come with stewardesses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line.
2: Uh, but the final opening is the Giants, the Giants job. Right. That one's, you know, that's an interesting one. That's intriguing. Because you got your quarterback in place. Right. You, you've got a, a star running back. You got some pieces there offensively. Yeah. You need to rebuild that defense, but there, there's some pieces. And you there. know
1: what? You got a stable ownership. And
2: you got a stable ownership. Yeah. yeah. I like that
1: one. Yeah. I so think that could be a possibility there.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's going to be interesting. So we'll see how this all breaks down. Uh, I think in the next uh, few weeks, we'll see some of these. Uh, at least probably in the next couple weeks, we'll see some of these jobs filled. And and. Uh, uh, they could be waiting on again Josh mcDaniel's name comes up in all of these things he said he's going to have he's going to do interviews for all these jobs I believe on uh, January 10th um guess what Josh if your team's knocked out of the playoffs this week this weekend you'll be able to do those interviews a lot quicker <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I wonder that's we'll get to that at some point I'm yeah. sure but uh you know what Josh mcDaniel's he easily uh he's he's a big name but you know it's funny because You talk about guys that first go, their first go doesn't go. Then they have a second time at it. Did you learn? Did you learn? Yeah. And I'm interested because how much did Josh McDaniels learn after going back to Belichick?
2: Yeah. I mean, you you know, I'm sure there's a little, uh, eat a little
1: humble pie in that situation. Yeah. There's got to be something. Do you learn? You learned to cheat more. <laughs> oh, did I say <laughs> You teachers? said that. You did went I there. that? Oh, I didn't you do that. You went there. Oh, wow. That's a, f- a fraudulent slip. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was Craig Wolfley saying that, not Dale Lally. Uh, you're in the locker room uh, with uh, Dale and uh, Wolf uh, listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. The number to join us here, 412-919-1316. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk a little bit about some of those playoff games taking place. It kicks off tomorrow. We'll do that right after this.
0: This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Catch Tunchin' Wolf live weekdays from 10 to noon on your 24-hour home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunchin' Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.
2: I'm uh, Dale Lally, sitting in for Ten today. I'm here with Craig Wolfley uh, in the locker room. The number to join us uh, here, if you want to jump in on the conversation, is 412-919-1316. We're going to talk now about the uh, the, the playoff games this weekend, uh, the Saturday schedule, both the AFC games on Saturday this week. Uh, That would be the uh, fifth-seeded Bills against the Texans. That's a 435 start. That game will be shown on ESPN. And then at uh, 815, you'll have the Titans at Patriots, uh, that's the number six seed at the number three seed. Something that changed in the uh, last weekend of the se- regular season with the uh, the Patriots blowing that. The Patriots. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Wolf. In the What's Bel- that? in the Belichick era, yep. The Patriots have never made the Super Bowl uh, when they haven't been the one or two seed. Huh? No, I didn't know that. So
1: that buy has been very important for them. And uh, that's well, I, even more so now, isn't it? I mean, Brady seems to have a little bit of arm problem here. Yeah, he looks like a forty-two-year-old quarterback right now. That's—I uh, don't know—maybe that he has more arm problems than I is, do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, that would be rough, huh? That would be rough. Yeah. Well, you look at it. You got well, you got Tennessee going in there, uh, and you got Mike Vrabel, a Belichick uh, right? guy. Uh, okay. You know, so. Now I find that I still find it very hard to. Think that somebody can go into Gillette and get it done. Now I know it was it was done and has been done, um, but it it just seems like how do you do that? The interesting thing about the Patriots this year
2: is they played the other three division winners in the AFC okay. and they lost all of them. Um, you know they were rolling along with a nice record for most of the season, right. but they're not a great team. Uh, this this pre- Patriots team has some severe uh, serious warts, and, and their offense uh, which you know, it's typically been the, the you know, something that, that has carried them at times, uh, is not very good. I think if you were ranking the offenses in the playoffs, uh, um, you know, they would be toward the, uh, much closer to the bottom of the list than they would be the top.
1: You know, the interesting thing to me is just, again, it, I, I've been so Brady centric ever since it's, you know, the way they go. And you look at it and, uh, Brady's got what that yards per average of throws six point six versus yeah. Tannehill's going downfield 9.6. point six. I mean, that's that's, that's remarkable. There's yeah. that a big huge difference. And a guy like Brady, um, it it just surprises me that he gets outgunned like that. And I know that he's got issues with his wide receivers. Yes. Julian Edelman's been in and out and in and out and and he's
2: really all they have. I mean, they, I know they made the, the, the trade uh, midseason. They, they give up a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu, and of course, everybody just rubber stamped that at the time and, and said, "Well, wow, this is a great trade." I'm like, "You gave up a second round draft pick for a thirty old re- thirty year old receiver doesn't run well." I, I didn't understand the move. Uh, you know, I, I, I get it. They were trying to, to take some of the pressure off of Edelman as the as the inside guy, and Sanu can do some other things for you, but. That, that was not what they needed. Uh, they're, they're, you know, the, the retirement of Rob Gronkowski, um, to me, uh, That's they, didn't, been a problem. they didn't replace him. Uh, no. And he was not the Rob Gronkowski of old last year, but you still had to account
1: for him. Right. Uh,
2: you know, he's still a guy and out there. And he still
1: drew more attention yeah. just because still, of who he was. Yeah, he's
2: still 6'6", 270 pounds, and, and if you line up with one guy over top of him, he's going to dominate that guy. So you had to account for that. Um, and he was also – you know, one of the underrated things about Gronkowski uh, was that he was an outstanding blocker, too, from the tight
1: end position. He was excellent. Yeah.
2: And really helped their run game. Their run game hasn't been good this year. Their offensive line hasn't been as good this year. And I don't know if the Titans, as you mentioned, can go in there and beat them, uh, but I don't see them getting past the next round because if they win, they got to go to Kansas City,
1: and that's right. not going to be pretty. No, that's not going to be pretty at all, and I would, I would have to, at that point, say, yeah. I would. Uh, I think it would be Pat Mahomes, you know, Gunn, and Brady. But going back to Tennessee, I mean, you think about the fact that I flip it over and you've got uh, Stephon Gilmore maybe locking horns with AJ Brown. Yeah, the guy's averaging twenty point two yards a catch. Yeah, that's a lot, man. I mean, he's, he's even a... as dysfunctional uh, mathematically as I am, I know twenty point two. That's a heck of a average per catch.
2: Yeah, he's a beast. He's not. He's not a burner. Uh, he's a four five guy. But, man, he gets into the open field. I know D.K. Metcalf got all the, the – They're both. The, those are the two old Miss receivers. They had, there were three in the draft. Um, but, uh, you know, Metcalf got all the publicity. Well, look at him. He's a physical specimen. Right, right. If, if Metcalf hadn't been around, everybody would have been talking about A.J. Brown, what a physical specimen he is uh, because he's 6'1", 220 pounds, you know, as a receiver, uh, tough to knock off of, off of his routes and just uh, tough to get down in the open field. And that's where he's making his hay here. Um, they're they're going to be an interesting team. That's going to be a, because they're also going to tra- tackle Travis Henry, and that has not been fun for anybody, especially in the second half of this season.
1: Derrick Henry or, or Derrick Henry? I'm oh, sorry, Derrick. Oh, yeah. Henry.
2: Travis was the old, the old Bills running. Yeah,
1: guy. hey, far be it for me to be a fact checker, but the, <laughs> but I will tell you is when I saw DK Metcalf, just because you brought that up, I you know when when Seattle was in town, I'm sitting there going, that's like Mel Blunt as a wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's uh, that's li- literally what I was thinking. That's Mel Blunt lining up. You know, I mean, are you, that's Sean that's Davis.
2: How, that's how Sean Davis, you know, tore his uh, tore his labrum.
1: Yeah, trying to tackle that guy. exactly. <laughs> that's that's a big hoss. So going back to this guy AJ Brown again, um, it's not that he's got uh, all that many catches. He only got like fifty two. But man, what he does with the ball, and he is—he's hard to bring down. Yeah, and, and a rookie as well.
2: So it uh, should be an interesting game. Uh, the Patriots uh, now favored by four and a half. That actually opened at like six and a half. So it's the, the money has moved towards the Titans in that situation. Uh, the early game, Bills and Texans. Uh, this one's going to be—you uh, know, when when the Bills were coming to Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, everybody had the question: You know, are the Bills for real? Uh, they hadn't the, the only team that they've beaten this year. Uh, that finished with a winning record, was the Titans. And when they beat the Titans, it was Marcus Mariota at quarterback. That, right. is, that was a 14-7 to 7 game. The Titans missed, I believe, three or four kicks in that game. Um, I don't know what to think of the Bills. Uh, I know people got fired up when they, when they beat the Steelers uh, you know, in that game. But as we saw uh, the Steelers' offense, uh, they kind of gave the blueprint for the, the final three games uh, by, look, we're not going to take any chances on offense. We don't want the Steelers' defense to beat right. us. Throw the ball sideways, get it out quick, and run the ball. Even if you're only getting two or three yards per carry, uh, it's you know punting is not a bad thing. Well, punting against this Texans offense is a bad thing. Uh, this yeah. team, this team can. Deshaun Watson
1: can get it done.
2: Yeah, he can get it done. DeAndre Hopkins is is, is physical a wide receiver as you'll see in the NFL. I wonder
1: if they match him up with Tredavious. Wright. I would have to think that I you would have think. to. Yeah,
2: and to me the key in this game is if Will Fuller plays or not. Uh, because they're a completely different offense when they have him in the lineup. I guess he's going to be a game-time decision tomorrow. Uh, but he's a, a legit 4-3 guy. And he just, you know, you have to, if you're going to, uh, you know, maybe the maybe the Bills feel like they can, they can take Tredavious White and match him up one-on-one with Hopkins. And if that's the case, then, you know, good luck with that. Uh, but if you have Fuller on the other side – you have to keep the safety over the top of him because, you know, because of that speed, and that that causes
1: issues. But that's that's like uh, hypersonic speed and, and bookends. Yeah, you know between him and Hopkins, that's that's like you got to pick your poison. Yeah, and
2: you know it's, it's,
1: it's <laughs> I I wouldn't want to be that. No, I, I you don't. Know? You know,
2: it, um, and I'll tell you what the other you know I I like Singletary, the Bills running back. I think he's done a nice job right. since he stepped in there. He he, he's good. slippery. Yeah, um, he is. really uh, has good. Uh, Good con, good uh, uh, body control. Point of contact. He's tough to knock off of his feet. Um, But Carlos Hyde to me is kind of the key in this game as well. If he can run a little bit for the uh, for the uh, the Texans, um, they they have a much better shot of winning this football game than than you know if if it's all on the passing game of the Bills or uh, passing game of the Texans they're going to have trouble uh, against this Bills defense because they don't give up a lot of big plays.
1: No, I mean, you got a 3rd rank defense. This is a yeah. defense that can get it done. Uh, you've got some very serious uh, people out there that can really put a, a, a whack on, on uh, you know, running the ball and, and pass lockdown and that stuff. Um, I, my biggest fear is that they're going to over-rely maybe on Josh Allen. You yeah. know, Josh Allen isn't like uh, Lamar Jackson. He's not a carry you through the... the... No, he's, he's not one of these guys that protects himself well. <laughs> I mean, he goes out there and he goes yeah. at it. Yeah, he's looking for the contact. Yeah, and, yeah. He reminds me of uh, Tim Tebow. I mean, really, better arm. Yeah. You know, more accurate passer. But he's he's got that crash and burn type style where he's he's a tough guy. And I think, you know, you get in trouble with a little over-reliance on him. And the thing you remember, too, is that uh, J.J. Watt's going to be back for this game. See? How about that? Yeah. You know, you think about a peck. Well, he didn't tear it all the way, I guess. It was right. a partial peck. But, but getting um, him
2: back for the playoffs could be a nice boost. We'll see how much... It's going to be interesting because he's missed so much time uh, how many snaps he can play. Uh, in in this game, because you know, if, if, is he a full time player in this game? Can he only play? Is, is he on his snap count? Uh, do they only play him on on pass rushing downs? Because that's the great thing about JJ J. Watt is that you know he much like his younger brother TJ, he's good against a run. He's good against uh, you know, rushing the passer, doing all those things, disrupting passing lanes. I mean, he he was a master at batting down balls at the line of scrimmage. Oh yeah, uh, and you have to account for him out there when he when he's out there. But how much is he going to be out there?
1: That's Remains to be seen. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, because you look at him and you think, okay, he can really make a difference and be a difference maker moving forward. Um, but at the same time, he's got to survive the first go. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want. I just wonder how that peck will hold up. I hope that uh, he's not, you know, it's not something that is going to hamper him the way, you know, Jack Lambert had a big toe take him yeah. out and Terry Bradshaw had an elbow.
2: People've asked me about that like why why are these defensive ends you see that that injury more and more Soft in today's tissue NFL. Injuries, yeah. Um, and I think it's because you see I mean so many of these defensive linemen now uh, you look at Watt he's a, he's a tall lean guy. you look at Tuit uh you look at, uh, Tewitt, uh, you look at Hay- Hayward's had the same injury. These are these are long uh defensive ends that a lot of times you get caught and I talked to Stefan Tuit about this. He said, like, look I you know I'm, I'm reaching to get the guy yes. and that's when that injury happens.
1: Exactly. When you are extent Extended like that, um, you know. It's
2: better to have short arms. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. You know, get Zooks, man. Uh, the uh, the Sunday games, uh, you get the Vikings at the Saints in the NFC. Both AFC games on, on Saturday this year. Both NFC games on Sunday. Uh, the Vikings at Saints, that's the number 6 seed at the 3 seed. That'll be Sunday at 105. That's on Fox. Um, this one... This one could be the high-scoring game of the weekend.
1: Which one are we talking about? Because I just dysfunctionally messed up my uh, headset, so I couldn't hear when you were talking.
2: We're talking Vikings (laughs) Vikings as
1: Saints. Yes, okay interesting cuz uh, we will have the uh, what was that miracle the, what, what happened in oh yeah yeah, that,
2: yeah the uh, the game last year i can't remember what name they
1: yeah i know it was some miracle one, in menzo uh,
2: i mean the guy instead of uh, instead of just going for the tackle in that situation goes for the oh, interception my heavens. and uh, allows, uh, i think it was stephon diggs to scoot down the sideline no
1: yeah stephon diggs that yeah. was the guy right. yeah Status, okay.
2: Don't make that mistake again.
1: No, don't make it again. I, I look at that and it, with the Saints, I, I just I look at the fact that uh, you know Michael Thomas, the guy is just beastly. Uh, Drew Brees is incredible. He looks yeah. like you know since he came back from the injury, um, he looks like he's rejuvenated.
2: Uh, I think that like six, five or six weeks off of not throwing
1: really right. helped him. At this point in the year. You know, the, the Saints team looks to be, to me, they look very potent. I mean, yeah. they have really... They can score. They can play defense. Exactly. Yeah. And that—that that, who's that guy? Taysom, uh, what's his Basin name? Taysom Hill. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's kind of a wild card. This is a guy that that's kind of interesting. You put him out there. He is a crash test dummy, but he's also a, a, a fine motor skill crash nice, test yeah, dummy. He's,
2: he's got a nice, a nice poker chip to have sitting there. Yeah. yeah really I just, a... just
1: wonder how, you know, what kind of difference he can make because when he comes in, it just seems good stuff happens. Yeah, um, the only thing I don't like is when they take they take him and put him at quarterback
2: and take Breeze out and and then throw the football. To me, that's kind of like taking you take your Mercedes. Uh, you get a Mercedes and you got a Ford, right? And I'm going to go drive. I want to get I got to get to the airport in five minutes, but I'm going to drive the Ford instead of the you know the Mercedes. Like, but see, I gotta get there fast.
1: I think those are some of the things you got to do to balance out the scouting report when they go scouting report and they say okay when. Jason Hill comes in. It's always a run and this and that. You've got yeah. to be able to it's like when we go jumbo. If you don't throw out a jumbo, uh they know right. they're gonna you got you're, you're, ten people crammed you're tip, into you're tipping you know, your hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think they do that more out of just trying to balance out the scouting report against them. Yeah. Uh and then the
2: final game at four thirty five on the Sunday is uh, Seahawks, uh the five seed at the Eagles, the three seed, uh which is just amazing. Um the Eagles aren't the three-seed. They're the four-seed. They get that wrong on this thing list here. The yeah, Eagles right. are definitely the four-seed. And that game's going to be on NBC. Of course, the Eagles uh, finishing uh, as the winners of the – I'm putting this in quotation marks – winners of the NFC East this year. The Seahawks <laughs> were playing – the Seahawks came within an inch uh, of of having a bye and instead are playing uh, – have to go a cross-country trip. Uh, if you watched that Sunday night game last week that – uh, that's how close it was in the NFC. Uh, it was. How yeah. about
1: that, man? What a stop. That man. was unbelievable.
2: This was going to be one of the more interesting games. The Seahawks favored by one and a half, but that West Coast to East Coast trip is going to be tough.
1: It is, except maybe, uh, you know what? The Seah- Seahawks have a great plane. <laughs> You know they got a lot of lounging <laughs> been good on the road this year. Yeah, I mean if you if you go first class with the that guy, they got lounging uh, chairs everywhere <laughs> on that plane, man. They got all all the accoutrements that you need to travel in style.
2: Yeah, I, to me Russell Wilson was the most impressive player that I saw this year, uh, the games that we saw live. Uh, I I thought he. Was, I thought so too. I mean, just dropping dimes on the Steelers defense. <laughs> we know this is. a. You know, this was, yes, it was pre Minka Fitzpatrick, but it was still Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson out there, and he was dropping dimes in on those guys.
1: He was amazing. Yeah. You know, and I love his leadership capabilities. Every time that you you get a chance to hear him talk, uh, every time that you see him operate out there, it's always one based on confidence and an ability to be able to reach to his teammates. I mean, he just seems to be one of those consummate leaders.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a great player, um, and uh, that should be a, a fun game to watch as well. I don't know that it's going to be as high-scoring as that Saints-Vikings game, but I do expect some offense in this game. The Eagles struggle a little bit in that secondary. Oh, they get a little bit better in the second half of the season. And the Seahawks' defenses, that, that team, it's Russell Wilson and, and not a lot well, else, especially
1: be, without the running backs. True, but you also got Carson Wentz looking at you from the other side. He's, he's, he's on pretty a good. tear. Yeah, he's, he's on doing, a tear. He really he's, is. He's doing well now. Yeah. He is Craig Wolfley. I'm Dale Lawley. You're
2: listening to The Locker Room here on ESPN uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, The number to join us, 412-919-1316. We're going to take a break. Be right back after these messages.
0: This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio.
2: Welcome back. The number to join us here 412-919-1316. I'm Dale Lally sitting in for Tunch Yocken. Here with Craig Wolfley today in the locker room. Always a pleasure to be here. Uh, Wolf, uh, st- starting. By the way, ahead.
1: this is Fat Guy Friday, and you realize that Axl Rose is a little on the chubby side. He is a fat guy now. Yeah, he is. He's a fat he's, guy. He, he is. Yeah. None so. of
2: us is quite as skinny as we were back when this song no, was. No, uh...
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. That's for sure.
2: Uh, but uh, the Steelers that uh, can now start uh, looking ahead to. 2020 and what they're going to have to do obviously the the biggest thing uh, for the Steelers in 2020 is the health of Ben Roethlisberger right uh that's the number one issue facing the team this off season and uh, Mike Tomlin saying earlier this week that they'll have a better idea he has a checkup scheduled for early February yeah and they'll get a better idea of of what the timeline is starting to look like for him to start throwing again uh the rehab process where he's at in that process um I've gotten a lot of questions about from people saying, "Well, why don't they why don't they know more about this now?" You know, a lot of times, you know, he may be having an MRI in, in February to kind of take a look. How's how's everything healing? Sure. I mean, they they it's a process.
1: Ligamentation is not an exact science. Yeah. I mean, everybody's ligaments go they heal at uh, you know different rates. Now you can there's understandably a you, you, there's a, a point in time that you know you've got to make improvement by such and such time right. and stay on schedule and that's what they check on you know i mean that's his ability to move forward is is going to be one where the doctors and he come together on that and they'll know, but you, you don't know until you know, right. That's you what know I mean. Thing. It takes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you got a wing, you got a busted wing. It takes some time to, to come back.
2: Yeah. I had, uh, I had labrum surgery three weeks ago today. Yeah. had a, a checkup appointment yesterday and, and uh, the doctor was giving me the rundown on everything he did, showing me the pictures I hadn't shown. I hadn't seen the pictures of everything that they really? did in there. And so he showed me you had to tear here on the top and this tear on the bottom. I'm like, I didn't know I had to tear in the bottom. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, it's like yeah, we went in there, and um, your shoulder's going to be a little, a little tighter than it was before because we tightened everything up uh, in there. I'm like, oh, what's that mean? He goes, well, you know, you're going to have to work at it to get it back to, to uh, you know, the normal. He said you should be able to throw again. He says the the, the procedure is much different than it was, you know, when we used to do this ten years ago. Mm-hmm. That's the thing when people were trying to talk about, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and you know, no, no, quarterbacks haven't come back from this or that. And we first of all we don't know what the actual surgery was, right? But secondly. This stuff changes constantly. Um, you know, if you were, you know, think about the guys w- in your day. If somebody had an ACL surgery, uh, that was a big deal. I mean, it was, you know, you were two years out from, from being, you know, getting back if you had the surgery. I know you didn't have the surgery. No. Uh, but yeah. You know. And, and Might then, have
1: been nice to do you know, <laughs> now in retrospect, but we got a new knee now, yeah. so we're okay.
2: But, you know, think about when, when Rod Woodson did it in 95 right. and was able to come back later that season. Um, you know, that didn't happen at the time. Well, now guys are having ACL surgery. Uh, if you have an ACL, even if it's an ACL early in the, fo- in, the, in the season before, you're back on the field, you know, at the start of the next season and, and
1: look like normal. Oh, um, I, yeah. I Ronnie Lauded myself. I I still played eleven games this year. I I, I just <laughs> they just cut it out and okay, you're good. Yeah, yeah don't okay. need that. You don't need that. Yeah. So the point is, yeah, all the advances in in surgery and in the, the medical area of pro football, I mean, it's just gotten incredible. Yeah. I mean, the one that really mystified me was when Casey Hampton blew out his ACL and he had what six months. He was back right. in six, seven months. I, I was like, wow. And That's a lot of weight on that ACL. That's a lot of weight <laughs> on that ACL. And Casey, of course, was such a great player. But um, you know, with Ben, it's uh, you know, I, I wonder where did, did anybody ever ask Chris Mortensen where his information came? No, as far as yeah, and I, you know, Chris Morton's a, a fine re, uh, reporter and fine guy from everything I understand. Um, but I, I just was surprised. It's one that of those things where he heard something from somebody else who heard it from somebody
2: else. Wow. You know how that. You, you, they played the whisper game when you were a kid, you know. Right. And you say one thing to one person and you get it down to the line and it comes out, uh, you know.
1: Totally different. Completely different. Yes. Yeah. So I guess that must be. Um, I expect Ben to come back better than ever. Uh, I think he's going to fully rehab. I think this is one of these big challenging things towards the end of your career when you look at this and you go this is a mountain to climb and uh, I think he's up for the challenge but I also think it's a springboard to maybe some a couple of good years here to finish up.
2: Yeah they go in they tighten everything up your arm feels great.
1: Yeah no doubt about it I mean (laughs) let's face it he's uh you you think about that 5,000 yards the year before that probably took a lot of you know a lot of Threw the ball more than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, so it probably took a lot of grinding out of that arm. And, uh, you know, you will have that on big jobs like this, as Mike Webster once said. (laughs) The thing, you know, if you watched,
2: uh, you know, of course, he was part of the the 2004 draft class, the quarterback class with Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning. And those guys look like they might be done. Yeah. And I think it means something to Ben Roethlisberger to still, you know, to to play after those guys are done. Uh, I think that will mean that's something. That's a good to point. Me. I think that's yeah, that's I one of the things that would. We'll that's an excellent draw. point. That and, and watching that defense perform on the field this year, like he has to be chomping at the bit a little bit, going, oh, I can't, I can't wait to get back and, and, and play with these guys with this defense and 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 get to the point where I don't have to carry the team, I don't have to be the entire the entire uh, offense this year. I can, I can, you know, if we score twenty one points, that's good. That's gets good right. enough um, because that's the thing to me. The fact that they led the league in turnovers for us this year with 38 and led the league in, in, in sacks with 54, and yet if you think back about this, they only had two games that they won uh, by a margin of more than, than a touchdown. They didn't play with that defense didn't get to play with a lot of big leads. No, they didn't. Imagine if they if if they've got a fourteen point lead in the third quarter of a game and they can just pin their ears back and go, seventy sacks with this group together
1: think about is, that. Is, is reachable. I mean, think about this. When you when you consider to play with a lead, like you were just pointing out, you, you send the hounds of the Baskervilles loose. We saw you know? it, it, think you saw it at the
2: end of the was it the Rams game? No, I'm sorry, the end of the Arizona game. The Cardinals get the ball back with with just under two minutes left. And the Steelers finally have their lead. And Mike Tallman just tells the defensive – he tells Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt and, and Bud Dupree and Tyson Alulu hey, go out there and close this out for us. Sack, sack, pressure into an interception yeah. on those three plays. Yep. Like that's just those guys like – that's what they could do for an
1: entire, you know, second half if they've got a big lead. No question about it. And to me – that's the thing that I, I talk about with Ben coming back. Right now, we have a Super Bowl quality defense. You yes. have a window here. You got a window with a franchise quarterback because you don't win those things without franchise quarterbacks. I don't care what anybody says. The days well, of look the at Trent the teams Dilfers. we playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean the the days of the Trent Dilfers bringing a, a Super Bowl home are not there anymore. Um, you've got to have that defense and you got to have that that franchise quarterback. And I think right now you got a short window. To be able to do something very special yeah. again.
2: you get got a couple years left of a Ben, and then you'll see where you're at with that. But this defense, uh, it, it looks pr- really special, uh, which takes us into our next uh, point here. Um, you've got two key components of that defense that are going to be unrestricted free agents, th- those being Bud Dupree and Javon Hargrave.
1: Yeah, now this is tough. You know, I'm I'm a fan of both guys. Yeah. You know, I love the fact that Bud Dupree has finally realized and made that jump that he needed to make. Everybody's been crying for where is the – and, you know, I, the only thing I can, I can really point to is saying, you know what, Butsy must have really helped him. You know what I mean? Keith Butler
2: been... – uh, outside linebackers coach, Keith Butler did a hell of a job this year. Oh, think about it. Yes.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I look at that and I go – you know, you've got to give him some credit because, right up until this point, we've not seen Bud make that jump yeah. to he'd Pro been, Bowl uh, status. He's been, made he, he yeah. was Pro Bowl caliber last year.
2: Oh no doubt, and and I thought he was pretty good in 2018. Um, I know right. the, the numbers
1: partially torn.
2: Yeah, pack. he played the the last six games of the year with, yeah. with the torn pack. He I, he was on pace at midseason to finish with eight or nine sacks. Uh, and then he tore that peck and he really the pass rushing went away. But against the run and, and and setting the edge and doing those things, he was still very disruptive.
1: Right. This year, that that all came together. He is so powerful. I mean, you look at the ham hocks on that dude, and he's a he's an outside linebacker. I mean that. Yeah. I mean his ability, his speed, and I'm. Well, he ran down uh, Russell, um, uh Russell Wilson from behind. Yeah. and Sacked him. Against Seattle, you know what I mean you don't see that happen. A no, lot, you especially don't see that for a 270 pound guy. Exactly, yeah. and I think the addition you got you got uh, T.J. Watt and you've got uh, Bud, and they both had their 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 great repertoire of pass rushing moves. T.J. really really has come on this year, but Bud. Uh, even more so, I was surprised, his technical ability. When you watch, he would go with that inside down, inside chop, and then immediately up into that uppercut. He really but worked that, on his hands. He did. Yeah. He did. His hands. You're exactly right. Yeah. His hand play was so much better this year. I thought, good for him. He's really making that jump and, and really now. We did a lot of boxing uh, again in the off season. I think it's starting to come together for him. I'm not surprised because I'd, I'd trained guys like that for years. And one of the things boxing does, it was funny because uh, – Marvell Smith, I just saw him out there, and I, I saw I asked Marvell when we were out in L.A., I said, you're still boxing? He goes, yeah, I still, I still boxes. You know, because I <laughs> trained him in that back in the day a little bit. And all it does, it makes you aware of your hands. Right. You know, and just what you can do to keep your hands out and, you're, and active. And, and that's, I think that's just a great advantage for offensive linemen.
2: Yeah. Now, Javon, uh, Javon's going to be a tough situation because it is the Steelers are going to want to pay Javon Hargrave as a nose tackle. Uh, because that's where they play him. Now, I understand right. because Stefan Tua was out this year. He played more snaps than he ever had before. Right. I believe it was 696 snaps. Uh, but prior to this, the, the previous year, he only played 43% of the defensive snaps um, in, in, because they don't want to play the base 3-4 as much. Right. But he had to do it this year. So it, it, the problem is is that as a nose tackle, he can rush the passer. So there, there's going to be some teams. And I, I guarantee if I'm his agent, I'm going into this saying, well, yeah, I'm. The, he was the nose tackle, but you used him a lot on pass rushing downs. Right. He's a true defensive tackle, and those guys get paid.
1: Well, he's not at Netflix anymore, right? Right. is that the yeah. statement that Mike Tomlin made? Yes. He's not Netflix. Blockbuster. Blockbuster or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, screwed up. You know, that,
2: Netflix is the step is the step up from Blockbuster. There you go. okay? There we go.
1: All right. So the point is, uh, he is more than in, he's transcended just the yeah. nose tackle position, and I understand that. The problem is, is that you still think of him first and foremost as that. Well, if and, Tua's
2: back next year, he's yes, he's probably still in your rotation, uh, but he's your third guy in that rotation. Right.
1: Right. Because Tua, yeah. the one thing people got to remember, Tua wasn't just beating guys; he was beating guys up. Yeah, before he was. He, he was hurt. off to a great start. He was, that was that was such an impressive start watching him operate early on. I would have loved to have seen oh, how he finished yeah. this season, given everything that transpired. I mean, Cam, with that Cam defense. finished
2: with nine sacks. Uh, they, the Steelers very nearly had three guys reach double digits in sacks, which they've never had before. Right? Had had Tuit played the entire season. They would have, and they
1: they would have had upwards of 60 sacks. I think that would have been just, what is the sack record anyhow? Uh,
2: For the team, it's 55.
1: 55. Okay, what about for the league? I believe it's 71
2: or something like that. Yeah. They would have a shot at it. Man, that would be impressive,
1: yes. dude. You know I, I mean? mean but,
2: but that's the thing. They, Keith Butler has always talked about having the ability to get there with four guys, with a four-man rush. That's the difference they've between got this it now. year yeah.
1: and last year. Right. They had last good pass
2: rushes the last They've led the league now three straight years in sacks, right. but they don't have to cobble it together now.
1: Yes. It's the big one. It's the, those guys, it's it's the, four the front guys end front. that's yeah. getting the job done. Yeah. And when you have two outside guys, Tunch has said this from years since uh, when you know we're talking about it, yeah, if you can get 20-25 sacks between your two outside studs, you know, that sets everything up. That tees it up. Which is why you can't let Bud
2: Dupree walk. Yeah. Um, you, you have to figure out a way to get him under contract. If you look at uh, Spot Track, does a market value on okay. uh, um, uh, the website, and they're saying that the market value for a guy like Bud Dupree would be a five-year, $83 million deal. Woo. That works out to $16.6 million a year. Oh, Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a big number. But yeah. the other side of the, uh, the, the the that's the going rate for edge rushers now. Uh the problem is is that Javon Hargrave's market value if you start looking around at what what you know those guys are getting paid, it comes in at uh believe 14.2 million dollars a year.
1: Schnikes, man.
2: That's you know that's that's thirty point eight million dollars in in two players. That's a lot of cabbage. Yeah. Um. So you probably can't keep them both.
1: Right. The bottom line is going to be that you have to make a choice, and it's obvious when you got somebody that can rush the passer, well, like yeah. he can. And 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 you need you yeah. need two guys on the outside. Yeah. You know, one one guy on the outside, one on the inside, though. Still good. It's not. As preferable as the two hot rushers, and you've got
2: Tua coming back, and you're paying you're paying it and Hayward uh, a lot of money. Uh, those two count a lot against your cap already. Uh, you, I don't know that you can tie up uh, you know forty five million dollars in your three defensive linemen when you most of the time you're only playing two of them. That's that's the problem. Um, you know, so as much as I, I like Javon Hargrave, uh, I think he's a great player. He's certainly a find in the third round for them a few years ago. Uh, I just don't know that they can afford to, to keep him.
1: Well, the thing about it is, you know, I, I got this one sack in mind. I remember uh, playing Baltimore, okay? They double-teamed Cam. All right, so you've got Bud Dupree on the outside of of, of uh, Cam, and he kind of holds back off the line of screams, and comes underneath on a twist. So he picks off... Bradley Bozeman, so that they can't double team Cam. On the other side, you got T.J. Watt. Nick Boyle tried to chip on him. T.J. just swam him beautifully, and then he got up the field on on uh, Orlando Brown, and so he made R.G. three step up. Well, on the inside, you got Javon, you got Tyson, and they're just doing the meat grinder. They're just pushing cars. Back, 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 and then all of a sudden you got RG three can't climb the pocket anymore. Runs in the backside, and then Cam just overpowers Hurst, yeah. and that's that's what you want. I mean, that's uh, that's just great. One on one, you get that one on one pass. pro somebody's got to win yes. that one. There's just
2: nowhere to go. Yeah, there's just exactly. nowhere to go. So, uh, we'll talk about what the Steelers need to do. They've only got about four million dollars in cap space, so they're going to have to uh, clear up some some room to to get these guys on. Under... Got to get the magic pencil working. Yeah. We'll talk about how they can do that. Some they're going to be some tough decisions, and so uh, we'll we'll go uh, we'll go there uh, after this. He is Craig Wolfley. I'm Dale Lally. You're in the locker room here on ESPN 970.
0: This is an In the Locker Room
2: podcast
0: from SNR. Catch Tunch and Wolf live weekdays from 10 to noon on your 24-hour home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.
2: Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Craig Wolfley. I'm sitting in today for Uh, uh The number to call us here is 412-919-1316. And, uh, Wolf, we were talking uh, previously about uh, uh, the situation with Javon Hargrave and, uh, and, and Bud Dupree. And, of course, the Steelers also have some other guys that they've got to do some stuff with here, uh, some house cleaning that will, uh, that will have to happen before uh, March, they've got some restricted free agents. That would be uh, Mike Hilton, Matt Filer, Zach Banner. Uh, B.J. Finney also headed for unrestricted free agency. Um, and that's three kind of important guys on that uh, offensive line that uh, you, you can't allow to, uh, to walk away. So you're going to have to pick up – Finney made just a little over $3 million this year. They picked up his restricted uh, free agent uh, offer uh, this year. And – he ends up making some, uh, you know some key starts for you, and oh, yeah. doing a nice job. That's what he's always done. Um, but then Filer and Zach Banner uh, as restricted guys as well. So he, I mean, you can't allow the, all those guys to leave.
1: Yeah, this is this is going to be a problem. I mean, the, these guys are they're all talented. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, with B.J. Finney, here's the point: you've got a guy that plays center, plays left guard, plays right guard. Fully capable. If you remember, he was in the lineup when Lev Bell set the all-time Steeler rush record. Yes, you know. I mean, this guy is is he's like a Brahma bull. You know, you watch him in Baltimore. I, I loved it. They got the beef eaters out there. Whenever the uh, the Steelers would go jumbo. Uh, you'd see the bare defense that uh, the the Ravens would run. So they got um, Demato Peco, 325 pounds, sitting on BJ's nose. You know they got uh, Crowley, 300 pounds off in a three technique, and you got Michael Pierce, another 340. They say 345. He's closer to 360. You know, and and you you just watch him. They Benny Snell ran the best I've seen him all year. They yeah, look great against that. He's a league, mutter. Yeah, he is. You know, I mean, one of the things I I look at this kid, and I know I'm being drawn into another area you probably don't want to go into yet, but the point is with Benny, that was a great job of just identifying where the linebackers are plugging in, getting behind an offensive line that we've been saying, where's the run blocking? You know, we got to have some run blocking. There it was. Yeah. And they went after it, and they were slobber-knocking dudes. Yeah. By the way,
2: Peko's butt weighs 340 pounds. Oh, I
1: know. I mean, you you could, you know what? It,
2: I was thinking. You could, if show, you-, you could show drive-in movies on that thing.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Standing behind those all three guys, that's a triple bill, triple feature. Uh, but to get to that
2: kind of money, uh, as I mentioned uh, before the break, the Steelers have about $4 million uh, estimated in, in salary cap space uh, for 2020. Uh, so they've got some work to do to get to, to the, the point where they're going to be able to pay all these guys, which is going to lead to some tough decisions. Uh, they've also got some other guys like Tyler Madikiewicz is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, people say, well, you just let him go. Tyler Madikiewicz is one of the best special teams players in the
1: league. He's a core four guy. Yeah. I mean, um,
2: and then you've got to make a decision with Cameron Kennedy, your, your long snapper. Uh, yes, it's he's a long snapper, but – you need a long
1: snapper. Somebody's, right. got, somebody's got to do it. If you're a smart long snapper, you take minimal increases. Absolutely. You know, I mean, just you stick just... in the league for get 10 years. Next 10? thing you, yeah. you,
2: you you go 15, 18. Yeah. Think of Kendall Gammons.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, can, you can make a lot of cheddar off of the fact that you can snap a ball from down under, you know, and, and do it consistently and do it well, and don't make yourself a target of the salary cap. Right. That's the key. Uh, But so uh, we mentioned before that, uh, you know, Bud Dupree's,
2: you're looking at somewhere in that $16 million range, even if you tag him, uh, because the tag last year, if you franchise tag uh, an outside line or a linebacker, uh, it was $15.4 million. So that even if it goes up in just a a slight bit this year, you're looking at $16 million. Uh, So you have to start looking at uh, creating some cap space. And that's never an easy thing, because it usually means that somebody's got to go. And if you listen to Ramon Foster uh, after the Ravens game, Ramon kind of sounded like he knew. You know, he looked around and saw the, the writing on the wall. Well, these things happen
1: now. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a situation like this. Not that he can't play. It's just there's you get up in the age and so forth, and it father time comes for us all. Yeah, you know, and you um, look,
2: and, and he knew the situation. He goes, look, I know that you know, Filers up and Finney's up, and and you know they got right. to do some with Zach Banner.
1: And these guys are all younger. They're all younger, but I, I'll say this, and this is what I love about the big Raku, 145 starts in 160 games. Yeah, I mean, he's just manifested for toughness. a guy that
2: you got as, as an undrafted uh, I mean, rookie. Yeah, what a
1: great, what a great run he's had here. Yeah, you know, if indeed that would come about, I don't know what's going to happen.
2: Well, if they if they uh, if they end up releasing him, it saves four million dollars. Okay, um, some other moves that they could make, and we'll see what happens here. Uh, they have a, an option on Vance McDonald, of five and a half million dollars. Uh, this year, if they choose not to pick that up, that saves five point six, seven, two million dollars against the salary cap. Um, you know, wow, it, that's a that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when you're looking at trying to keep your 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 core defense together. Uh, Mark Barron is five point two five million dollars if they release him. Um, Anthony Ciccolo is five million dollars if they choose to release him a, as a backup player. If you if you're going to keep Dupree then you don't keep Chicolo at $5 million next year. That's just the, the reality of the situation. Yeah. You sign Chicolo as, as your insurance against, you know, if, if Bud Dupree didn't break out or you, right. know, you didn't want him back. Well, now you want him back. So you don't need Chiccolo at $5 million. Uh, and the, the final one that I looked at, uh, I, I did this this rundown on DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, earlier this week, Um you mentioned the, uh, that uh, you know Cameron Candidate, if you're smart in those situations, you, you take the minimum and right. don't, and don't you know, price yourself out of a situation. Jordan Berry uh, could save $1.8 million against the cap next year if they, if they release him and decide to go with a, a low-end punter or a cheaper punter. Uh, $1.8 million in cap savings for a team that's going to have to make the moves that they need to make could be attractive, uh,
1: you know, in in that kind of situation. Especially when you consider the fact that the Wizard of Boz made such a big comeback. Yeah. You know, and made – and he's – I mean, he's at that level now. You can't touch him. Right. I mean, what he's doing right now. So if they – By the way – that was that was two mil he made right in training camp. Yeah. Did I? Okay. Yeah. You know I've totally forgot about that. Can you imagine <laughs> the joy you come yeah. through camp and everything? You go, yes, that's two <laughs> mil, baby.
2: cha ching. <laughs> yes. Um, but if they make those moves, if if they release uh, or if they release those four guys and don't pick up the option on Vance McDonald, uh, that creates twenty one point seven two million dollars in cap space. There's your Bud Dupree. That's huge. Uh, and you still have some some change left over to do some other things. Um,
1: you know, they're tough,
2: they're, they're tough moves uh, because you leave yourself short at, at tight end, obviously, because yeah. Nick Vinette's also a, an unrestricted free agent. Right. Right. Um, but maybe you 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 go to Vance and you say, hey, we're not going to pick up this option uh, because we, you know, the, you know, your injury history is there. We know what it is. You know what it is, and we still think you can play. Uh, but we don't want to. We don't want to pay that price, uh, so we're not going to pick up the option. But here's what we will offer you: if you want to go test free agency, and, and and you get a better offer, and you feel like you want to take it, have at it. Uh, but this offer sitting here waiting for you, uh, maybe it's you know three years at. at $3 million a year, something like that. Right,
1: right. You could shave some of that yeah. and, and be able to use that. Well, that's that would still be some big coin right. that you could use. You're still
2: going to save, and you're going to have to sign another tight end anyways, even right. if you don't bring Vance back, whether that be Vanette or somebody else. Maybe
1: – Vance might be a guy that gives you a little bit of a hometown discount because I think he's a guy that – Got he's some, been somewhere else. He's seen, you know, he's he's seen what it's like. It's like to change places, and maybe he yeah. doesn't want to do that at this point in his career. He's got young kids, so, right? You know, that that's kind of stuff. it makes you wonder. And you know, it's not that it can't be made up in uh, bonuses. Yeah, all right. But the fact is, that does make sense to me. You know, offering something like that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, that's problem. what
2: the option. That's what the options are for. They're yeah. options, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, my day there was there wasn't options. Yeah, your, your you know? option was take this or leave yeah, it. Exactly, <laughs>
2: exactly. So you know,
1: take it or leave it. That's your option.
2: Um, you know, so they could also. We've seen him in the past do some restructures. Uh, to create space right Uh, they could do one with ben roethlisberger that would save 3.72 million dollars against this year's cap but do you want to do a restructure with a 38 year old quarterback coming off an elbow surgery probably not because that's probably not the best thing yeah that's going to bump his uh, 2021 salary uh it's right now i think he counts 32 million or so against the cap in 2020 uh if you restructure him it lowers his cap number this year but that cap number in twenty twenty one is gonna go through the roof. Um, now you're looking at almost forty million dollars in that season. So you don't I don't know that you want to touch that one. But if you do Steven Nelson, you save two point two million dollars. And you know Steven Nelson's gonna be he's gonna be on your team next year. Right. And he's probably gonna play out that contract. He's still a reasonably young guy. Uh so that's a how move, old is he? He's twenty six, I believe. Okay. So yeah, there's you know, uh, there's there's some room well, he's definitely
1: somebody who made such a huge yeah. uh, contribution this so year.
2: that's one that makes sense uh you can save 2.2 2 million dollars there you can also do it with david DeCastro at, at 3.9 million dollars in savings and
1: uh <laughs> the other <laughs> i'm sorry you know i mean you got to go back to my day when we i made 37.5 my first year you know i mean yeah. you know that we as and Tunch you were glad always, to do it, yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. You know, I mean, you know, it's like Tunch said, too. You know, too late for the Super Bowls, too too early for the uh, big money. Yeah. You know, uh, and then two it
2: is one that you look at. Um, this one's kind of dependent on the uh, them getting a new CBA in place. Um, if they do that, uh, they they get an agreement there. Then the savings on two it could be five point four five million. Mm. That's a significant chunk of money. That is. Uh, if they don't, then there's a 30% rule that comes into play, and you can only restructure at 30% less. The The, the base salary can only be 30% less than what uh, his his, initial, his salary is now, and then that, sa- that savings goes down to $2.75 million in that range. So, uh, But there's still the... –
1: This is staggering numbers, man. I mean, it's yeah. just, it is staggering.
2: But the bottom line is if they make just those moves, if, if they restructure Nelson, DeCastro, and Tuit uh, they can get the thirty-five million dollars in cap space. That gets you. That gets you. Uh, but that gets you making restricted offers to you know Hilton, Zach Banner, and Filer. Right. And that gives you enough money. If you want, you can probably sign Finney to a deal of, let's say, an average of five to six million dollars a year.
1: You know, you need to be a bean counter. You're doing good.
2: I, I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm just you know guesstimating at a lot of this stuff, but you know I'm sure they. You know, I was trying, Omar, I'm still Omar trying Kahn to figure. Samir, out, I'm trying
1: to figure how to carry the one on some yeah, of those.
2: Omar and, and Samir have a much better idea of how to work all this <laughs> stuff, and and uh, I'm sure that but but there are ways to get to, to get under this cap that right. that uh, you know everybody's looking at this going boy the Steelers just don't have any cap space. They can create it now. They, there are some there are going to be some some casualties to that. And, you know, that's unfortunate. I mean, you don't want to see Ramon Foster right. move on. Uh, he's, he's been a great guy, a great player for a long time. Absolutely. But the reality of the situation is, I mean, he knows it. He's 33 years old now. Right. Um, you know, they can, they can get the cap space so that to, to do what they need to do. What it doesn't allow for is a lot of anything else. You're not going to see them go out and, and sign a, a Steven Nelson this year. You're not going to see them go out and sign a Mark Barron or even a Dante Moncrief. What they have is what they
1: have. Wow, I'm just I'm trying to take in all the numbers. I'm still like, <laughs> I'm my mind mind boggled. You know, touching yeah. I we we never touch numbers like that. Yeah. but the <laughs> bottom, the
2: bottom line is it is possible well, to, to is. get this done.
1: Well, again and again, the number one priority's got to be Bud Dupree. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the guy that's sitting in the in the cap bird spot right now. The guy mm-hmm. that you absolutely have to sign.
2: Yeah, any other guys in that locker room know it too. I mean, any anybody that you talk to. Well, we gotta, well, let me we, ask you what, Bud. If you
1: tag him, how does that? How does that um, change things, or does it change things?
2: Uh, well, the, the salary's probably going to be in that $16 million range. Um, obviously, you only get the one year of Bud. I think what you do, though, is you tag him with a non-exclusive, and you allow him, hey, Bud, here's your tag. And i talked to Bud about this already. I talked to him in November. I said, would you be okay playing on the tag? He goes, heck, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he saw what Le'Veon went through. and he saw that, right. that, That's kind of a cautionary tale for this group. They saw Levi on and Le'Veon can spin that however he wants to spin it. Right, but he's not ain't... making that money back. No. No. Um, so you know, they they tag him, you allow him if he wants to go out and negotiate with other teams. Somebody wants to pay you twenty five million dollars a year to, to okay, we're not gonna match that. But if you do the non exclusive tender, the Steelers get the first round draft pick in return. I think it's
1: two if you do the non exclusive with the franchise guy. Okay.
2: So okay.
1: Uh, you know yeah it's still because of the fact you got him finally where you want him Right, with that's a, the problem. with a, a guy uh, across the way who matches up with his skill set and gives you that opportunity to have that that uh, big zing i mean think about it you got the two of those guys you got how many sacks you got 14 26 and a half. all right 26 then you got half 33. a
2: sack off the team record uh, for two outside linebackers right
1: then you got a 33 hits by tj you got 17 more by bud I mean, that's a lot of pressure on a quarterback. And 12-force fumbles between the two. There you go. I mean, you talk about the the defense being opportunistic. Those two were a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, do you really want to go out there with another number one and go and find out, try to find some guy that takes two to three years to become a hot rusher? I think it depends on where the number one is at. (laughs) True, but I'm sitting there going, you know, if you want to talk about having that Super Bowl-quality defense and its basic pressure. I mean, number one is Dick LeBeau looks at it. Is he always tell me there's only one thing I look at, and that's fewest points allowed. That's the thing. They went from ninth to fourth, defensively speaking. Yes. That defense, that was, that was, that's, it's in place. Now, if you got to retain this as much as possible because, because then you've got the takeaways. They led the league in takeaways. You know, you got, uh, 20 interceptions. My gosh, when was the last time we saw half that? We saw defensive
2: backs intercepting passes. When was the last time we saw that?
1: (laughs) Good point by you. You know, so there's just so much going for this defense that you look at it and go, it's hard to think about letting any of them go, much less, you know, Bud Dupree. But you can, I mean, we saw with Javon, you know, he was a third
2: round draft pick and started his rookie year. Um, you know, you can get those guys because those tackles right. are,
1: are, are. Well, you got Isaiah Bugs too coming along. You yeah. got some playing time at the end. And the thing I would hate about Javon going, man, he turned me on to shrimp and grits. I'm telling you what, that oh, was just some of tremendous. the best. Yeah. Oh, it's tremendous. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I never knew he had shrimp and grits. Two things: shrimp and grits, and then the uh, chicken and waffles. We're talking about this very nice. It
2: is Fat Guy Friday. Oh, It is, brother. It
1: is. (laughs) He is. Craig Wolfley, I'm Dale Lolly.
2: You're in the locker room here on ESPN 970. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this.
0: This is an In the Locker Room podcast from SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf on your 24/7 home of the black and gold Steelers nation radio. Welcome back to the locker
2: room. I'm Dale Lally here sitting in for Tunch Yoken today, of course, joined by Craig Wolfley, the regular member of the locker room on this show. And uh, Wolf, uh, we were talking uh, previously about that offensive line and uh, that being your area of expertise. I I did want to pick your brain a little bit um, on that group this year. Uh, You know, there there seems to be a a push among fans, or a a feeling among fans, that the Steelers need to uh, revamp that offensive line. They need to they need to spend you know a draft pick, or even two, a high draft pick, or even two, and they they don't have a first round pick uh, on that offensive line. And I'm more of the feeling that part of the offensive line trouble, much of the offensive line issues this year, were more related to the quarterbacks
1: than anything else. Well, I believe it's also the quarterbacks and the running back by committee. Yeah. You know, you have issues there. Um, I'm a feature back guy. I believe in a feature back. Uh, I like the three, three down back. Um, obviously, James would be your choice, but, you know, he had a lot of injury issues. and uh, Played seven quarters in the second half of the season. Yeah, that's, I mean, you just, you talk about trying to get some sort of momentum going with the running game. And it's unfortunate. I mean, you look at, look at the backs. You got James, what you just said. Then you had Benny Snell out almost a month with knee surgery. Jalen Samuels came back from injury. You picked up Kareth White from a practice squad off another team. Not that the young man has not distinguished himself well, but the fact is it takes a run-up time to be able to get them guys into the offense and be able to depend on them and believe in what they're doing. so
2: much of that, too, is the pass blocking. And that's one of the things that a lot of people looked at. Well, they didn't pass block as well this year. A lot of that's on the quarterback and the
1: wide receivers,
2: and the wide receivers, expreeding hots, and the running backs picking up blitzers, and absolutely, and they got. If people also ask, well, why didn't they use the tight ends as much this year? The middle of the field for this against the Steelers this year, the, it was very, it was a very simple defensive game plan: crowd the middle of the field, force the quarterbacks to throw the ball to the outside. Right. So if the middle of the field's crowded because you're 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 putting eight and nine man boxes in there to stop the run, you're not going to run the ball super effectively against that and you know it's the middle of the field where the, is where the tight ends do most of their work there's nothing i mean you're not going to throw the ball where there's six guys waiting
1: there for you know for it's the difficult throw. look you, you had issues with your quarterbacks yeah. i mean that we, and this is the part of the problem we we've, we've had a hall of fame quarterback for 15 seasons number 16 he goes down what i i think what it is that so many people are talking about the next heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. Hey, before you you, you dethrone him, uh, remember, this is what it looks like <laughs> right. when you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback.
2: Or a veteran quarterback. People forget that, that Mason Rudolph and, and Devlin Hodges had never played in an NFL game before they played this season. That's kind of a big deal because the quarterback, if, he, if you don't have the ability or the autonomy to check into and out of plays at the line of scrimmage, you don't have the ability to, to audible – you're running what what you're running whether it's a good play against that defense or not uh, uh, you know a veteran
1: quarterback gets you into and out of good and bad place and let's uh, let's also remember this you got ben I'm sorry, you don't have nine men in the box. Right. Okay, I mean, it doesn't if you, matter. If you do, he's going to make him pay for it. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, he sees that single high safety, hey, baby go long, you know, yeah. boom, over the top. No, those things, they disappeared from the Steeler offense and, and so much of the big plays. Because think about it, you know, you, you're replacing the production of, of Bell, of Brown, and and you've got Juju who's got a knee injury takes him out of a, a huge part of the season
2: Juju had Juju in the, James Conner in the second half of the season had 19 carries for 84 yards that's over the last 8 games Juju over the last 8 games had 12 catches for 109 yards is it any wonder this team struggled to score yeah. in the second half of the season? Those are their two Pro Bowl uh, skill players. Right. And, you know, you, you got next to nothing
1: from either one of them in the entire second half of the season. Exactly so. So I, I look at this. Yeah, I think the offensive line's got to step back a bit. they got to reload. I think they're going to make some a couple of moves, and we'll see what that the fallout of that is. But you still have the core and frame of an excellent offensive line. They'll come back, reload. I think – B.J. Finney is one of those guys that, uh, you know, I mean, you could plug and play at left guard. Now, the problem is that always bothers an offensive coordinator when you got your, back your up backup center, center yeah. is in the starting lineup. That yeah. can be an issue. But you could move Filer to left guard. But I, I'm not in favor of six, 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 seven 6'7", guards. Um, they have a problem bending. Um, Matt's a, a good run blocker, but I think he's better uh, suited for the tackle position than he is the guard.
2: Yeah, uh, but they have but, options. If if you if you bring back Fowler, you bring back Banner, and you bring back uh, Finney, right? Um, you have options there. That okay, you can either say, okay, Matt, you're the you're the left guard. We're going to keep BJ as the swing guy, or you can and, and then in that situation you, you say, hey, Chooks and, and Banner, you're battling for that right tackle position, right? Uh, if you do it the other way, then you know you're saying okay, Finney, you know Finney's our, our left guard. And the other guys, uh, you know, you're still the backups to Filer at right tackle. Uh, but either way, you, you have options. And if you, you know, I know Steeler fans look at this and go, well, the the, the the line wasn't as good as it has been in previous years. It's still, if you look around the league as a whole, a top 10 unit in the league, even with this year, uh, it, it's
1: still a very good offensive line. Can I tell you why the sacks are up? Okay, the sacks are up because we have quarterbacks that hang on the ball too long, and they don't read. You know, no, they've got you've got issues. You've got young wide receivers that don't know the hots. Sometimes you got young quarterbacks that are not fully, uh, you know, sure of the protections, like you talked about earlier. Um, they're going to run what they if they don't have autonomy to be able to check off to whatever they want. I remember in Cincinnati, Mason holding onto the ball, and, and God bless him. Listen, I think Mason came back and showed in the Jets game, this is what he's capable of doing, right. and that's where you're moving forward. But I remember, this is the first time in my 18 years on the sidelines, I yelled, I yelled, <laughs> throw the ball! And I realized, because I had the headset on, it's loud and everything like that, and I'm, I'm he's in the end zone, and I'm yelling, throw the ball! First time ever I've yelled on the sidelines. And all of a sudden, I realize people are looking at me. and Go, oh yeah, that's right. I, I yelled. I'm part of the media. <laughs> yeah, I know. Was a, you know. I mean, it was just stupid of me. You know what I mean? But you, you, you lose that. That I mean, the the clock in my head is running, and I'm watching. And you see this, and then you realize, okay, this is what Ben went through earlier in his career. Now the thing, the difference with Ben is he had some excellent, you know, running game, defense, everything around him, and also he has. There's a reason he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he could run around, make some plays, and make some spectacular plays out of it. That's not what Duck and not what Mason do. Okay, You know? um, It's a process. It's a process, yes. So, that's why you got to get rid of that ball. You got to throw it in less than two and a half seconds. Yeah. Most likely around two. Yeah. If you want to stay upright.
2: Yes. Uh, We do have a call here. We got CR in Chicago. How you doing, CR? Haven't talked to you in a long time.
3: Hey, good morning. See y'all in Chicago. First and foremost, happy New Year, guys. I really appreciated everything that everybody put together last year. And without you guys, uh, people out here outside of uh, the Pittsburgh area would be totally lost. Thank you so much, and the best for you in the in the 2020.
2: Same to you, C.R. What's you,
3: on your mind? Hey, uh, real, oh, real quick. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, my my predictions. I got the uh, Pats, uh, Pats, the Saints, um, Bill.
2: Pats, Saints, Bills, and Eagles. Okay,
1: yeah, I can't argue okay. against the Pats things. You know, I mean, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans tipped them. You know, okay. I, well, I,
3: well, I'm rooting
1: well, I'm for my hometown that. Bills too. You know, what I mean, yeah, not, that's now, how I grew up f-
2: for Steeler. Fa- Steeler fans should be fans of the Patriots this weekend, and I'll tell you why. The Steelers uh, got a fourth round pick in return for Minka Fat- uh, Fitzpatrick oh, yeah, yeah. from the from the Titan or from the uh, uh, Dolphins. That pick okay. was the the pick that the Dolphins got for Ryan Tannehill in the fourth mm. round. So if the Titans get mm-hmm. knocked out, that pick is number 117 right now. If the Titans win, it falls back a little bit farther. And if they keep winning, uh, you know, it continues to fall backwards.
3: <laughs> wow, well, that, was, that, that was a heck of a pick. And, uh, hey, one more quick question because I know we we're pressed on time. Hey, uh, I, I, just, I missed the show, but did you guys make any comments about the Dallas Cowboys and, and Garrett?
1: Uh we did yes. I
3: mean, and the coach. We so did. is that a good thing or a bad thing from your perspective?
1: Well, I think it's a necessary thing. Yeah, you it, know it had run its course. Yeah, it's it had really run its course as, as as far as I was seeing. it. I thought it was time for a little change. No matter how okay, much loyalty you have to any of the the members like Jason Garrett or his dad who was a, a scout yeah. for the Cowboys.
3: And uh, uh, uh who, who do you see uh taking over?
1: whoever jerry likes <laughs> yeah. yeah i just have to make yeah, sure i didn't sure. have any coffee in my mouth at that point we had an incident earlier where dale said something right when i said they're gonna swig of coffee and it was coffee all over the locker room here it was rather funny but
2: i mean honestly i mean jerry jones is more is is maybe the most hands-on owner uh, i don't think there's any maybe yeah. about it he's the most hands-on owner Since in the nfl he's also the general manager Uh, So, I mean, whoever that new head coach is is going to have to be somebody who can put up with Jerry telling him uh, what to do on a daily basis, maybe even a a minute-to-minute basis.
3: (laughs) I I, I think he ought to bring back his old college roommate. I think they they butted heads, but uh, Jimmy Johnson? I think think Jimmy's
2: uh, enjoying life as a a retired gentleman uh, down in Florida. Uh, I don't know if Jimmy wants to get back into that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, thanks for uh, the call, C.R. In the meantime, here we go, Steelers.
2: Here we go. See you, C.R. All right, buddy. Uh, Yeah, uh, we always enjoy talking to C.R. in Chicago. you know, I, I think in terms of that offensive line, though, getting back to uh, to what we were talking about there, Wolf. Uh, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see a need to go get uh, an offensive lineman. You have to replenish that group. You should draft an offensive lineman every year, in my opinion, because right. you play five of them, and as you see, it often takes more than five. Right. Um, But to me, the biggest need for the Steelers in the draft is to go go get an every down running back.
1: You know, that's the interesting thing to me. Um, You know, I love James. I'm a big James fan. Who isn't? Um, The fact is, uh, that's an area that needs to be bolstered a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, I think another wide receiver is a a strong possibility. Yeah. Although you know what, Deion Cain was an interesting guy. I like I like Deion Cain. James
2: Washington in the second half of the season had six hundred yards receiving in, the, in the, over the last eight games. I mean, he was he was a factor, and we saw Deontay Johnson yeah. take some steps forward. I think in in year two, uh, he's going to be much better. And, I mean, he's a dynamic player. He led the league in punt returns.
1: Yeah. I, you know, when was the last time we led the league in any sort of uh, – uh, 1961 category? was the last time Jed the Steelers <laughs> yeah. had a I player mean, lead the league in punt return average. I mean, we have not had a, a dynamic punt returner since uh, Antoine randall L. You know yeah. what I mean? He, he at least – he was threatening. Yeah. you know what I mean I mean we they've just... had
2: some good ones over the years. I mean you think back to uh, the, the the former receiver known as uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, was... Right, <laughs> right. He had... was yeah. good. Rod Woodson was good at it. Uh, you mentioned right. you mentioned Antoine
1: Randall. Did you Anto- ever catch a punt when you were in school? I did not. I, I, did I would my, not want to try. My junior year, I just got creamed. <laughs> 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 One punt. One punt. The yeah. guy yelled. The guy yelled, "Catch it!" But the the other up back. Yeah, and I. I missed the fair catch it part of the oh, fair catch. Yeah. it and I and there I was caught nothing it. fair about that. No, I <laughs> caught it. I caught the ball and I caught it right in the grill. <laughs> Whoever the first gunner was. Oh. I,
2: I really think a, a, a dynamic every down running back changes
1: everything for this team. I think it's a very important thing that you got to be able to do. The
2: Steelers right now have the forty ninth pick in the first round. Uh, that's right. But they got Le'Veon Bell at forty eight in, in two thousand and thirteen. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the sweet spot, uh, you know, for running backs if you're sitting there in the middle of round two. And uh, this is a nice class to be to be in that spot in. So I, I think to me that's that's where the focus has to be on improving that first. And, and, and you know, I think the, the line will be OK in 2020.
1: You know, I believe they will be OK. There's there's no doubt about it. I think, uh, you know. Everybody would have loved to have Munch stay, but let me tell you something. Sean Surrett's an excellent coach. Yeah, I believe. I watch so as well. what he does day in, day out with those guys. It's the same thing basically that Munch did. You know, and uh, I, I think this offensive line will come back around. Look, I wanna thank everybody uh, for uh, their participation this year and in coming in the locker room. Dale, thank you so much for sitting in today. No problem. As my usual, pleasure you're a top notch, my friend. I appreciate that.
2: Especially coming from someone like yourself, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for the uh, for the locker room, not only for today but for the season. Uh, so that's uh, it, baby. Uh, for Craig Wolfley, for Tunch Jokin, I want to appreciate uh, him or for allowing me to set in for him. But for Greg behind the glass, we appreciate you listening to
3: this edition of the the locker room.